0: This is a parable, this is a story about being faithful with what God has given you. And yes, it includes our talents and the things that we do with our life and the gifts upon our lives, but it includes our finances. This story is interesting because the first two servants actively, intentionally did something with what God had given them. Yet one had a greater return because he turned five into ten. Another had a lesser return, two into two, but they both received the same reward where Jesus, sorry, where the person in the parable says, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, the action that is required here for the the, the congratulations is not how much you earn, it's what you do with what you have. You see, the, the wicked servant, the last servant, took it and he was afraid and he did nothing. He buried it in the ground and thinking that he was going to impress his master by not losing any of it, but because he did nothing with what God had given him, that servant was condemned. What he had was taken away, was given to the guy who had the most and it says that he was then sent off into outer darkness where there'll be weeping, and as my dad always says, gnashing of teeth. But the principle here is that God has given us wealth. God has given us increase. God has given us everything that we have, and we as children of God have a responsibility to steward or to manage what God has given us in a way that glorifies him in everything that we do amen psalm 24 verse 1 says the lord is uh, the earth is the lords and everything in it the world and all who live in it basically everything is god's everything ultimately belongs to god god and that includes our material wealth and our resources and as a result As God being the ultimate owner of everything, then we have a responsibility to manage the possessions that he's given us in a way that brings glory and honor to God. The way you manage your household, the the way you manage your resources, the way you manage your finances, it can either bring dishonor to God or it can bring glory to God, amen? Amen. Deuteronomy verse, eight, verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for he is the one that gives you the ability to produce wealth. Wealth is a gift from God, and it should be used in accordance with his will, and we are called to manage what God has given us, again, in a way that honors and glorifies God. God is the one that gives us the ability to create wealth. Now, when I say the word wealth, I don't want you just to think it's talking about people who we would consider wealthy because the reality about the levels of wealth is there's always somebody more wealthy than where you are. That chain never stops. Did you know if you right now, some of us, a little bit different, no, it'll be all of us. If right now you tried to count to one billion, you cannot do it it take, would take roughly 30 years nonstop to count to a billion. Do you know there are people in this world who have hundreds of billions of dollars. The wealth thing, don't think when we think wealth, we're talking about just good old Elon over there, All right. We're talking about God's given us all the ability to create wealth. Wealth is the money that we have in our bank accounts and the resources that we have in this world. He's given us the ability to create wealth, but everything belongs to the Lord. So everything that we have belongs to God because we are Christians. We follow Jesus. We serve the Almighty. So we have a responsibility to do with what God has given us, good things that impact this world for his kingdom and ultimately for his glory. Amen. So today as we talk through kingdom wealth management, It's simply this. Kingdom wealth management is simply this. God comes first, you serve God, so your money should serve you. God comes first, you serve God, your money serves you. That's what would happen in a kingdom wealth management mindset. The worldly wealth management mindset is this. Money comes first, you serve money, money rules over you. Money comes first, so you serve money, and therefore, you, then money rules you. You ever heard this word financial freedom? Yeah. Financial freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want with that money that you have. Financial freedom is the ability to not live slave to the finances that you have. Yeah. And so when it comes to kingdom wealth management, we have to understand simply that God comes first. We serve God and money should serve us and not the other way around. Amen? Amen. And what I've found in my own life and in the lives of many people over the years is this, that I will happily trust God for my provision, but rarely do I trust God with my provision. And there's a big difference to trust God for your provision and to trust God with your provision. Trusting God for your provision, the faith element is in the waiting. Trusting God with your provision, the faith element is in the doing. And remember, we looked in the book of James uh, 2 verses 18. James said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. When you trust God for your provision, it's a posture of sitting, and waiting. When you trust God with the provision, it's an action of doing. It's doing something with what God has given you. You can say you trust God with your money, but if you never give God his portion of his money, it shows that you don't trust God with your money. You just trust him for your money. And what happens is we become the kind of people that just seek the hand of God rather than the heart of God. So we want to be kingdom wealthly, uh, sorry kingdom wealth management minded people. We don't just trust God for our income, for our provision. We trust God with our income and with our provision. Amen. So today very quickly I want to run through four ways Uh, that we can manage our finances with a kingdom mindset. Number one is going to be honor God. Number two is going to be leave a legacy. Number three is going to be enjoy today. And number four is going to be make an impact. Because so often we think the only way to honor God with our finances is by giving the church money. That's a way that we honor God in our finances. But ultimately, the way we honor God with our finances and our resource is much bigger than just what you give to the church. It's how you steward the rest of that stuff. If you think I can just sneak in, pay my church tax of 10% and then manage the rest of my wealth as I desire according to the wisdom of the world, you're still a slave to the, to the, to, to the money God of mammon. But what we happens is if we honor God first, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but then with the rest of our money, with the rest of our 90%, how are we continually using that to not just satisfy the flesh, but to continually glorify God? So today, four things. The first one is this, honor God. Proverbs chapter three, verses five, this is what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The Bible tells us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in everything that you do, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor God with all of your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. So you increase. Lean not on your own understanding, but in every way acknowledge God. Don't lean on the, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Remember the Lord is he who created the heavens and the earth. Remember the Lord is the one who painted the stars in the sky. Remember the Lord who fashioned this big globe that we live on. Remember the Lord this morning and honor him, the Bible says. So how do, we show, how, how do we honor God in our lives? It's by putting him first. Seek first the kingdom of God, the Bible teaches us. The first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. We honor God by putting him first in our lives. So then how do we honor God in our finances? It's by putting him first. How do we put him first in our finances? It's this little word that's become mildly controversial in the modern day church called tithing. How do we put God first in our finances? If honoring God is the ultimate key to life in your whole life, and to honor God, at, and so, so putting God first is the way we honor Him in everything. Then if we want to honor God with our finances, then He needs to be first in the area of our finances, and order is important. Divine order in all things is important, that God is the head of Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the church Jesus is the head of the family and then the husband's the head of the family and the wife's the head of the the family. It's this divine order that God has orchestrated. He has importance in his order of how he does things and in the way that we do things to honor God is we have to put him first in our finances and that's through this little thing that the Bible talks about called tithing. The tithe is a simple thing the word tithe means 10%. Doesn't mean 5%. Doesn't mean 2.5%. Doesn't mean 15%. Doesn't mean 20%. The word tithe means 10%. And what we talk about when the Bible talks about bringing our tithe into the storehouse is that God is teaching us to bring our first 10%. We honor the Lord with our first in the 10% of our tithe. That goes into the church of Jesus Christ. This thing that's important about the tithe is that it's not meant for missionary work, it's not meant for ministries or charities. And if you don't attend this church, your tithe is not meant for this church. The tithe goes to the local house, the storehouse, for lack of a better term, the place you are being fed. And we are called as believers to put God first, and the practical way we put him first in our finances is by tithing into the storehouse, tithing into the house of God, amen? The book of Malachi 3, 6, this is what it says. It says, for I, the Lord, do not change, therefore... You, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Thank you, Lord. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, my precepts, my ordinances, the way I've set up for you to live. And you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Verse 8 says, will men rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? in your tithes and your contributions. Verse nine says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Verse 10 then says, bring the full tithe, the full 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts. Will I not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no need I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil or the vine in the field shall not bear to fail uh, shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delight so you'll be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts Malachi is bringing us this picture saying that you've turned away from the precepts that I have given you. You see, if you think God needs your 10%, you're mistaken. God, the, the, the action of faith in giving your tithe is not the amount of money that goes in the bank account, it's the obedience of heart to give what already belongs to the Lord. And there's a key word here, it says, Bring your tithe into the storehouse. It doesn't say give your tithe tithe because the tithe is not an act of generosity, the tithe is an act of obedience. And it's a place of obedience that says, God, in my life, I don't want to just be someone that says, I profess to give my life to you and live my life for you in every area. I want to honor you in all that I do, think, and say, except in the area of my finances. I'm going to leave that portion of honor aside. God has set up a system. It's not a legal system. Let's just clarify. This isn't a hell or heaven issue. If you don't give your tithes, you're still going to sit in the, the pearly gates and live with Jesus and the angels and God forever. However, you're missing out on living in the blessing that God has for you today. It's not legalism. It's faith in Jesus to say, God, I'm choosing to honor you in my finances by giving you the first 10%. The government just takes it. You don't get a choice. At least with God, we get to choose to bring it. Amen? And this thing about honoring by putting first is really important. And the way we practically outwork this is that when you sit down and do your budget, if you don't do a budget, you should. If you haven't done a budget, you're gonna have a mess of finances and you'll blame God for it, but really it's your fault because you didn't do a budget. You didn't prepare, you didn't make a plan. And what it is, is this when you do your budget, your tithe, is not the thing you try and squeeze in at the end. It's the amount you put first in your budget and squeeze everything else in. And at the very end, you find out what's gonna come off. Because otherwise, if you do it the other way around, you're giving God not your first and best, you're giving God your last and maybe. And it's proof of the heart that says, God, in the area of finances, I don't trust you. Now, I know this feels like a harsh word, and I'm not saying it's easy. I understand the challenge, because I've told you before, it's easy to trust God for his provision, but to trust him with your provision is a whole nother level. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're part of this church, or maybe you're visiting from another church, be the kind of Christian that says, God, I'm going to honor you with my first, my first and my best. Because that's how I show you. I don't honor my wife with my last and my maybes. I honor my wife with my first and my best. Before everything's set in order, I honor her. I honor God with my finances. Before everything else comes into play, it says, God, I trust you more than I trust mammon. The Bible says you cannot serve God and money, and by showing that we're afraid to give God a portion, the first portion of our income, we say we trust money over you, God, in this area. It's challenging, I understand, again, Don't take this as legalism. This isn't if you do this, you're going to hell. This isn't if you don't give into your local church, you can't attend, you can't be a member. This is encouraging you to a place of wisdom to say, lean not on my own understanding. Don't be wise in my own eyes. The world says this, why on earth would I give to the church first instead of out of what I have left? Because that's worldly wisdom and godly wisdom says, God, I fear you. I put you first in my life and I do that by giving you my first And my best. Amen? You say, what about Jesus and the new covenant? Jesus, although not explicitly, talks to us about our tithing in the book of Matthew 23, verses 23. He says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Anybody like cumin? Love cumin. Obviously not by itself. That would be weird. But you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. He's saying, you tithe, good. You're not doing the other actions of being a Christian because that's not all there is to being a Christian, amen? Amen. He's saying, don't try and pay your religious duty by giving your tithe and do nothing else with your life to honor me. But he's saying, you do this, but you don't do this, but rather do this without neglecting this. So Jesus is not condemning the tithe. He's actually enhancing it, saying, this is the beginning of what we do. This is the first and best of what we do because it honors God. Then everything else flows from there. So can we look at our hearts and our finances and say God I'm going to figure out what it looks like to trust you with my first and my best. Jesus the Bible tells us in Malachi he says test me in this. So anytime the Bible says test me and what he's saying is test me, watch what happens in your life when you give me your first and your best. He's saying you will not go without because nobody ever went broke or bankrupt by giving to God first. We go broke and bankrupt by trusting the wisdom and the way of the world. If 10% of your income into God's kingdom and his purposes is gonna send you bankrupt or broke, you need to get some help to manage your finances in a better capacity, amen? That's not to be condemning or harsh. I understand some of us are in a place where things are tight. The Lord says, test me in this. Will I not pour out blessing over your life? Will you trust the Lord with your first and your best rather than your last or your maybe? Tithe means 10%. You say of how much? Of your increase. What's your increase? You know what your increase is. If you put out a certain amount of money and a certain amount he comes in and it's even, there's no increase. If you put out a certain amount of money and more money than what you put out comes in, that's called increase. If you work for your wage, what comes into your bank account is your increase, so give 10% of your increase. You say, is it, is it before tax or after tax? Stop being legalistic and religious about it. Give 10% of your increase. It's not a matter of an amount, it's a matter of the what? Because Jesus tells us, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Got some good amens for talking about money. That's always a challenge. Number one, honor God with your first and your best, not your last or your maybe. The second way to function with the mindset of kingdom wealth management is to leave a legacy. Prepare for the future. Prepare a future for your children and your children's children, set yourself up in a way where you can leave something for the children that you have, or who, if you don't have children, for some form of legacy to build upon. The book of Proverbs says, 13, 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Again, this is not in an accidental order. Order number one, honor God with your, with your wealth. Number two is prepare your life, be wise with your money, management and invest it in a way that enables you to not just be living paycheck to paycheck, but sets up a capacity for you to leave a legacy. Because I don't want to be the kind of father that when I pass away, leave my children with nothing. Because it honors God for me to leave a legacy for my children. You say, what if Jesus comes back? It honors God for you to leave a legacy for your children. You don't know when Jesus comes back. So if you want to miss out on honoring God in the portion of leaving a legacy for your children based on guessing when the Lord's coming back, you've lost it. Prepare a future for your children. If you need help managing your money, come see us and we will find a great Kingdom minded person to help you manage your wealth in a way that sets you up to leave a legacy. It's called generational wealth. Ever heard of it? If it functioned according to God's wisdom, not one of you would ever be in a place of financial struggle. The problem is, throughout the generation, someone misses it often, which ruins everything. You know, for my family, my father, he got left a legacy and inheritance of nothing. His mother has not yet passed on, but she's not living in a capacity where there'll be a huge inheritance left for my father. But my mother and my father, both on their own merit, have worked hard, have toiled the land, for lack of a better term, have worked and strategized to build wealth that one day when they pass away, they are going to leave me and my brothers and sisters a lot of money. But the way that it works is this is I'm not looking for my parents to die off so I can get that cash to spend on today. I desire my parents to live a long time and that one day when they do pass on into glory they're going to give me an inheritance and I'm going to work hard today so that I don't need their inheritance. And so what happens is I receive that inheritance I work. I've worked really hard so that when my children, so so that when I pass away, I have what my parents gave me compounded with what I've earned, and that I'm going to live a long, glorious life. And that the day that me and Savannah pass on into glory, I'm going to hand that to my children. But because we've trained them the ways of the Lord, they've worked hard. They've built up their own wealth, and this thing compounds upon itself to leave an inheritance for your children's children's children. That's the way God sets it up because he doesn't want people to be in lack or poverty. He wants people to prosper even in the area of finances. But that takes this incredibly wonderful word called intentionality. And the reason this is important is it doesn't matter where you are financially right now you can start the cycle of living a way that honors God. Even if wherever you're at right now, by the end of your days, you can leave your children with $10,000. If they function according to the wisdom of the Lord and they work hard, they take that, it compounds by the children's children. Your children's children can be multi-millionaires, not even based on the work that they do, but based on the obedience they have to use God's finances wisely to build an inheritance to leave a legacy for your children's children. Amen? Amen? This honors God because living according to God's word honors him. Stewarding God's finances and wealth that he gives to you well, it honors God. And when you, leave, when you set yourself up, when you're intentional to set up a place of inheritance for your children, the Lord gets to look at you and say, hey, in the area of finances, well done, good and faithful servant. Number three, which most people don't put in these lists, but I think it's important, is enjoy today. The order is important. Honor God first. Be intentional to prepare your wealth in a way that leaves an inheritance and a legacy for your children's children. But don't forget to enjoy today. Today, the book of Ecclesiastes, although it becomes quite a miserable book towards the end, in the beginning he's still pretty switched on, and this is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses twelve. He says, "I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live." It's my favorite portion. Also, that everybody should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. I'll say it like this. God is pleased when we take pleasure in his creation. There is a reason, I apologize for the vegans, that God created ribeye steak. There is a reason. And although every so often it doesn't fit the budget, Save up so it fits the budget. Get yourself a nice ribeye, preferably on the bone, seared to perfection, medium rare. If you like it, well done. Don't waste the cow. (laughs) But enjoy today. If you've managed your finances well, if you're honoring God, if you're setting yourself up to leave an inheritance for your children and the Lord blesses you, if you're the kind of person that takes two talents, turns it into four and takes four and turns it into ten, it's not shameful or sinful to enjoy Today, as long as you're functioning and flowing in the right divine order, buy that dream house that you want to live in. If it's not throwing you into a place of debt where you become slave to your finances, I'm not talking about getting a mortgage that you can service. I'm talking about if it is not your master that you live every day to pay that bill, then enjoy the things that the Lord has allowed you to have, the wealth that he gives you. The God's not into everybody being at equal wealth. He's he, he's into everyone stewarding their finances well. Yeah. He gives some according to their giftings. But enjoy today. Enjoy the steak. You think, you know, these days people talk about and I've done it in the past. You say, "Hey, if you want to save money, don't buy a coffee." Cuz you times coffee by 5, it's 20 bucks a week if you get only five. Some of you are drinking those $8 things with all the poison in there, but Pretend it's just five regular coffees, five times a week. We're looking at $120 a week of coffee. That over a year, that's 1200 bucks. Friends, enjoy today. The way we enjoy today is by being prepared and intentional to prepare a legacy, which means you're managing your money well. Again, if $20 a week is breaking your budget, you need to get some help. You need to get a coffee maker. That'll probably cost you more than the coffee. But again, this isn't about putting pressure on if you can't afford these things. It's about getting help to manage your finances regardless of your level of income, to manage it well. Again, this is not legalistic, guys, but this is enjoying the things that the Lord has given us. Taking pleasure in God's creation honors God. Do not forget to enjoy today or embrace today. Put God first Prepare for the future and live like he's coming back tomorrow. Seize the day. Seize the moment. Go to Paris in Tennessee, not overseas. That's too much money. (laughs) But don't forget. Enjoy what God has given us. If it's in the right order, it honors God. If you're busy, gallivanting around and filling up your life with the pleasure of this this world before you're putting God first, before you're preparing a legacy for your children's children, then it can be sinful. It can be done in the wrong way. But if you do it in the right order, we honor God, we prepare for the future, we're leaving a legacy, then enjoy today. And the worship team can join me. The last one is make an impact. Make an impact. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Galatians 6.9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of Faith. Psalm 78:4 says, We will not hide them from the children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders of what he has done. We honor God in our giving, first and our best, not our last and our maybe. We prepare and we're intentional to leave a legacy, to steward and manage our wealth in a way where it's not constantly decreasing and we're looking paycheck to paycheck, but that it's constantly increasing and we're building wealth to give to our children's children. We're prepared, we're organized in wealth building. Live for today, enjoy the moments. If God tells you to go and live poor and not enjoy the moments, do it. But until he says that, don't think it's more religious to live uh, with a poverty mindset than it is to live in a prosperity mindset. If God speaks, you better obey. If you are very, very wealthy and you feel the Lord says, give it all away, friends, give it all away. It's better to be obedient than wealthy. But if the Lord doesn't say that, enjoy what he's given you. Step into your future, enjoy today, and ultimately leave an impact. You see, that's where our finances take and level up. You see, when you honor God with your first and your best, with your weekly or monthly tithes and offerings, You set up the foundation of the church so we can function and do what God has called us to do. You manage your finances well to build a legacy. You live for today. You enjoy what God has given you. When you get those things in order, you'll be in a place, a capacity, where when it comes to these seasons like faith, love, and hope offerings... It's not a burden to go above and beyond in your giving to make an impact, it's a blessing. And that's why the order is so, so valuable. To make an impact, you see, because everything that we give into to God's kingdom results in giving glory to him. When your money doesn't get you to heaven, but my goodness, your money into God's kingdom to make an impact gets other people there. There are people sitting in this room today because of your generosity, because without your above and beyond giving throughout the years, this place can't keep its doors open. If this place can't keep its doors open, people can't walk in the door and find Jesus. If this place can't keep its doors open, we can't start programs like we're going to do next year called Feed Them Bellies to feed the hungry of this city. Without your generosity, we cannot rescue young girls out of the sex trafficking industry. Let me tell you, we are making an impact that one day people will look back on this season and this day and say, because of the generosity, because of the kingdom wealth mindset that this church has, look what the Lord has done. And we'll tell stories from generation to generation and say, look what God did. Look at this testimony of faithfulness. Look at these lives that were changed. Look at this lost soul that was destined for hell who found hope in Jesus and now is destined for eternity with God forever. Look at this young girl who was being raped and tortured, who's been rescued, rehabilitated and set up with a future that honors God. He can say, look where you were and look where you are. And that was because of what God did through your generosity for your ability to say, God, you are bigger and greater than my bank account and I have a plan. God says, I've got a plan for you, friends. We want to make a dent that when we're gone, we've left an inheritance, an impact, that this church wouldn't die out in 40 years, that would have to be rebuilt again, but we were intentional and prepared that when we're finished here, my day of leading this church is done, we can step out those doors and watch it not go back down to start again, but go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop, from glory to glory to glory, but it all starts in the beginning of a people that say yes, God, we trust you not just for our provision but with our provision, because you are faithful and you are for us, and if God is for us Who could be against us?